Welcome to the Book Club Girl podcast, where we chat about great books with awesome authors and you, our listeners, ask the questions. I'm Eliza Rosenberry, and one of my favorite novels that takes place in or involves a major weather event, (laughs) I don't know how to introduce it, is The Wizard of Oz, a classic. I love The Wizard of Oz. I had like all this Wizard of Oz art in my room when I was growing up as a little girl. I'm Tavia Kowalchuk, and uh, I guess I can actually talk about two weather-related books. One of them is set during a hurricane, and it's called Hurricane Punch by Tim Dorsey. It's actually a satire. And another book that always makes me think of weather is The Hate You Give by Angie Thomas. And even though there's no weather in that book, I read it during a summer vacation Mm. where it downpoured the entire time. So in my mind, it's like the perfect rainy day read. I love that. Sometimes you associate the memory of a book with your very unique reading experience. You know, like sometimes you look at a certain book and it just takes you right to a certain place. Totally. I can still remember the bed I was laying in. (laughs) (laughs) On today's show, in No Judgments by Meg Cabot, New Yorker Bree Beckham flees to Little Bridge Island in the Florida Keys to get away from a callous boyfriend and a controlling mother. When a Category 5 hurricane barrels towards her new home, will Brie evacuate to safety, or will she dig in with the hardcore locals and stake her claim as one of them? Later in the show, we're speaking with number one New York Times bestselling author Meg Cabot. And now, we present to you No Judgments Abridged. There's a Category 5 hurricane headed towards the Florida Keys, and the tiny island of Little Bridge is right in its path. The long-term, year-round residents of Little Bridge know how to weather such storms, but Brie Beckham is what the locals call freshwater, a newcomer. She's fled to the island from New York City, getting away from kind of a mean boyfriend and kind of a bossy mother, and has started a new life waiting tables, painting cloudscapes, and being a cat mom. As she prepares to shelter in place on Little Bridge at her employer's house, she finds herself magnetically drawn to their nephew, the rakish and dazzling Drew Hartwell. Their chemistry begins to spark as they run last-minute errands and rescue a neighbor's guinea pigs left to fend for themselves by an irresponsible pet sitter. Once the hurricane passes, Bree realizes that dozens of other pets were also left behind by their owners who evacuated, expecting to be gone only for a day. Bree and Drew start a rescue mission, bringing food and care to cats, dogs, birds, and even one pot-bellied pig across the island. As they share the responsibility in caring for these animals, will Bree and Drew develop real feelings for each other, or will Bree always be freshwater to Drew? What did you think of the book, Tavia? First of all, those poor guinea pigs. I know. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I love the. De- <laughs> they don't know what's going on. <laughs> I love when Drew describes them as drowned. They look like drowned rats. <laughs> <laughs> I had guinea pigs as a kid, so I I really love them. But I can see I Aww. can see where he's coming from. <laughs> so. I sort of playing off that idea of Brie and Drew, you know, taking care of all of these mistakenly abandoned animals. One thing I liked about this book so much is that it really sort of asks and answers the question, what does it mean to be a neighbor? 
Yeah. You know, how do you behave in your community? What's the right thing to do? How do you show up for the people around you? And how do you become part of a community when you're a newcomer? I really liked that part of the book a lot. Yeah, I think that's a really good topic to explore. And I think some of the previous books that we've discussed have sort of wrestled with like the dynamics of small towns and small communities, whether you've lived there forever or you've been away for a while or you're new. And I think in No Judgments, we get to see what a small town community looks like in the face of a disaster, right? Like a Category 5 hurricane and how the sort of leaders in the community step up to take care of each other. You know, the oh, yeah. Brie works at a cafe in town and the owner of the cafe opens up the restaurant after the hurricane to feed everyone who didn't evacuate. And it's like, no questions asked, show up and get a free meal as much as you want. And I just felt like that was such a heartwarming, you know, depiction. And there's sort of these reminders throughout, like Brie, who's, you know, this is her first hurricane. She's like, where's FEMA? Like, where's the sort of like organizations that are supposed to come in and help us? (laughs) And she looks around and she just sees her neighbors like helping each other. Again, you just brought up Brie. You know, for me, it was a little bit of a coming of age story Mm. for her, even though I feel like those usually happen when people are in their teens and she's in her 20s. But she definitely finds herself in this book. You know, she comes into her own as a woman and she learns how to stand up for herself. She learns how to follow her heart. She, you know, takes some actions to have self-determination with her mom. I really enjoyed seeing this character come out of her shell and figure out who she is. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think, you know, from the beginning of the book, the reader is sort of let in on a bit of Bree's backstory. And one thing that's very defining for her is that her mother is a judge. She's like a radio talk show host and she's a judge and people can call in with their questions or concerns or whatever. And so One thing that sort of continues to be played with throughout the book is this concept of, as the title would indicate, this concept of judgment, right? And like, when is it okay to pass judgment on someone? And I think the answer is rarely. I mean, there certainly are situations in the book where Brie is, you know, assessing someone else's decisions. (laughs) I mean, speaking of her judging other people, there is one character in the book who is not a big character, although he plays a big presence in Bree's sort of psyche. And she definitely judges him. I don't know a reader who would really disagree. I certainly didn't. But through the way that she responds to this character throughout the course of the book, I think Meg is really laying the groundwork for an example of female empowerment because Brie really stands up to her jerky boyfriend, this is not a spoiler, but like her sexual abuser, you know, and her mother Mm -hmm. who frankly kind of wrote off the emotional scar that was left, the trauma that was left with Brie after she had been attacked. Mm -hmm. So I really loved how Meg, you know, let this woman sort of grasp her own destiny and, and stand up for herself. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, I mean, we talked about the sort of world of the story and the community on this island and all of these great characters, um, which we'll get into a little bit more with Meg. But I think that there's two more books coming in this series that will be set in the same world of Little Bridge. So we can hear a little bit more about that. Oh, we have to do our virtual toast. Virtual toast. Cheers. (laughs) Cheers. I cannot wait to talk to Meg about this book. Me too. I can't wait to hear what she has to say.
Quick reminder, we love hearing from you, especially now that we're working from home. Join our Facebook group, The Book Club Girls, where you can stay connected with other book lovers and pose your own questions to the authors who appear on our show. You can find us at facebook.com slash groups slash The Book Club Girls. And stay tuned after the show for a short exclusive sample from the No Judgments audiobook. Today, we're joined by Meg Cabot, whose book, No Judgments, is out now. Welcome to the Book Club Girl podcast, Meg. We are so glad you're here. Thank you so much for having me. I am so excited to be here. We can't wait to talk to you about No Judgments. And in fact, we have some questions from our community on Facebook for you about No Judgments. Vesna can't wait for the next book in the series. No offense. And she wants to know what inspired you to set the books in the Florida Keys. So I was inspired to write a book set in the Keys because I live in the Keys and I love it. It's an amazing place. And I was especially inspired to write No Judgments because I went through Hurricane Irma in the Florida Keys. I did not evacuate, which was a terrible mistake. Um, I I don't, you know, the newscast kept changing, so we didn't think it was going to be so bad. And then, of course, we woke up the next day and it turned out it was going to be really horrible. But by that time, there was no gas left on the island and there was no, the airport was closed and there was no way we could get out. And we did have a generator. So we thought, oh, this, this will be okay. It'll be fine. And it was not fine. And so we, <laughs> so we ended up staying through it. Fortunately, our house was fine, but um, so many people's homes were not fine. And the one thing that it turned out it was great that we did have, besides the generator, of course, was a landline. And so all the cell phone service had been knocked out and um, people were coming to our house to ask to use the phone and let their relatives know they were okay. So I wanted to write about that. My next question is from Ashley in our Facebook group who wanted to know, how did you come up with the animal aspect of the story? But it's based on a real event. Yeah, absolutely. Brie is based on a real person named Britt who lives here in Key West. And she is one of the people who showed up at my house to use my phone. And what she wanted to use the phone for was to call her mom in South Carolina and have her mom post a message on Facebook to anyone who had evacuated from the Florida Keys to let them know that Britt would go to their house if they had left pets behind. And she would go and break into their house and she (laughs) would feed their animals and take them out for walks and all that stuff. Because some people had left... Um, not knowing that the hurricane would be that bad. And they thought that they were going to be able to come right back and take care of the animals. Or they'd left them with a neighbor who then in turn evacuated and left the pets unattended. And so she actually had like a little hatchet and she had some jaws of life. And she went around and broke into all these people's houses and she rescued all their pets. And every day she would show up at my house and listen to the messages that her mom had left from, you know, the addresses of people who Mm -hmm. had actually called and responded to this Facebook post. And I said to her, I mean, Britt, I can't believe that that many people would have left because I'm a huge animal lover and obviously Britt is too. And she, and I'm, I'm just appalled that this is going on. And she said, Meg, you know what? We can't judge because if we start judging these people, they're not going to call. And it's more important that we rescue the animals. And she mm. said, so no judgments. And I went, oh my God, I am going to write a book about you <laughs> and I'm going to call it no judgments. And that's what I did. So what, one of my other questions was about the concept of judgment, which is woven throughout the book, the main character, Bree's mother, is a famous, you know, sort of like radio talk show judge. And all the characters throughout the book, not all, but many of the characters throughout the book are sort of judged in different ways. Even Drew is sort of judged 
by the locals for being like a bit of a ladies man, which we find out is sort of like not the whole story. And so I guess I was curious, like, what do you want readers to take away from this concept of no judgment? Yeah, I'm a huge, hugely judgy person. I prejudge people all the time. And that's one of the things I learned from being in that hurricane is that's something that I needed to stop doing because, um, you know, it's there's a great quote that I love by Warren Buffett. And he said that um, when the tide goes out, that's when we see who's been swimming in the water naked (laughs) this whole time. And um, that's that's a pretty judgy thing to say. But it is kind of true. When everybody hits rock bottom, that's when we see a lot of character. Their real character comes out. And and that's something I think that's been happening a lot, too, with this current crisis that we're going through. Um, We're starting to see people's real character. And and I was so surprised um, during the hurricane um, just how amazing people were and how they came out and were helping one another. My neighbors were just fantastic. I mean, there are so many reasons why people don't leave. Mine was a very bad reason because I was just like, it'll be fun. We'll have a party. (laughs) It was so stupid. But I'm so glad I didn't leave because I was able to help all these people with my landline. The stupidest thing to have. I had it was so dumb. Who has a landline now? But it turned out to be the only phone that worked. And none of the satellite phones that the entire local government had worked. Only the landline works. Who knew? So I, I really from that learned to stop judging people until I, I knew more about kind of what their, their life story was. And I think that that's something that we need to think about now. Although I, I have to say, I do judge people who don't wear masks. That's mm. <laughs> talking about this right in this current moment. You do need to wear a mask. There's no, there's no excuse for that. So yes, Tavi and I were just discussing that. that very topic. Yeah, we can judge that. That we yeah. can totally feel free to judge. So I would say that's so, my lesson from the book is, is, you know, stop judging people, wear a mask and also apparently yeah. get a landline. Yeah, if you can. A lot of towns won't even install them anymore. Um, But if you can, get one. Yeah, I know. It's weird. Yeah. Is there a specific moment in the book where Brie overcomes her impulses to judge others? Um, Yeah, I think that she... Well, it, it is, of course slightly exaggerated for her because her mother is a judge. But yeah, I think that she starts she starts learning not to be so judgy when um, she starts finding out the truth about the, the amazing people that she's around during the hurricane. It, it kind of tears everything, all of her beliefs down. Um, mm. So I think that she starts realizing also that she kind of has this impression before that happens that she's maybe not as strong of a person as she thinks she is. And when she survives that ordeal and is able to help herself without anybody's aid, although she does get help from her neighbors and stuff, but she doesn't need her parents' help and she doesn't need a a man's help necessarily. Mm -hmm. She starts realizing she's not judging herself as much anymore and that she is Mm. a much stronger person than she ever thought she was. And then she's able to, not to give away a spoiler, but she's able to confront someone from her past who really kind of ruined her life, she thought at the time. And and that is also a way that she's able to be like, hey, you know, you're just a little too hard on myself. So I think that that's an important part of the book as well. You're listening to the Book Club Girl podcast, where our guest this week is Meg Cabot, whose book, No Judgments, is out now. You can read more about Meg's book at bookclubgirl.com slash podcast. Coming up on the Book Club Girl podcast, Meg answers more questions. And later in the show, we ask about her literary white whale. So stick around. This episode of the Book Club Girl podcast is brought to you by You Had Me at Ola by Alexis Daria. Jasmine and Ashton are two telenovela stars forced to generate on-screen chemistry to save their waning careers in You Had Me at Ola, a hilarious new rom-com from Rita award-winning author 
Alexis Daria. Available now wherever books are sold. Welcome back to the show. This episode, we're speaking with Meg Cabot, author of No Judgments. Meg, we have another question for you. One of the reasons Brie flees New York City is because her boyfriend's alcoholic buddy sexually attacked her one night. At a certain point in the novel, Brie has the chance to confront the jerk. What gave her the courage to do so? I think that at that point in the novel, Brie has been through so many things that she realizes she actually has the strength to do it. And she also realizes that she doesn't have to run anymore. Part of the reason that she moved to um, Little Bridge Island is that she's running away from her problems. And I think at a certain point in everyone's life, if you've had something like that happen to you and the way that you you know, absolutely no judgments about how anyone would ever deal with something like that because everybody deals with it their own way. And I would never judge anyone for how they choose to deal with it. But the way she chooses to deal with it is that she runs away and she she never confronts anybody about it. And and when the people she does try to talk to about it, judge her for for what actually happened. Mm -hmm. And um, what happens during the course of the book is that she is finally given a chance to confront the person and she does in a really strong way. And so I think that what she learns through the course of the novel, and especially going through Hurricane, which is a little extreme, I have to admit, um, is that she can stand up to this person and she can tell this person to leave her alone. And that's what she chooses to do. And I think that that was, to me, it felt like a great compliment to actually kind of a man or woman versus nature situation where, you know, she's been through this horrible storm, both personally and actually literally. And now she's finally able to confront so many demons all at once. She does. One of the things that Tavi and I were talking about earlier about this book that we loved is the small town community on Little Bridge. You know, all the all the tourists and the summer people, you know, or the seasonal folks have evacuated for the most part. Yeah. So who's left is the is this core group of locals. And Brie has left behind all her friends and family in New York. And she's, as she says repeatedly to Drew, she's been here three months. You know, she doesn't feel new, but she is still fresh, (laughs) fresh water. Um, So at what point do you feel like Brie finally becomes a member of the Little Bridge community? At what point does she become a local? Well, that's actually, there is a rule about that in the Florida Keys. (laughs) Um, You do not become a local. You can be a conch. That's what they are in the Keys. You become a conch. You're either born a conch or you can become a conch, but you're a freshwater conch once you have been through a hurricane and you have stayed. You didn't evacuate. Once you have stayed through a hurricane, you become a freshwater conch automatically. Um, And you can even get like a little passport that you can go down to the office and they'll give you a little passport that says that you are a conch. So yeah, that's all you have to do. And she did it. So now she's no longer going to be considered, you know, a newbie. Mm -hmm. She will be a actual freshwater conch and everyone will respect her for doing that. So uh, one funny story that happened to me was we, our first hurricane was a huge net category five that was coming right at us. I think it was Ivan. And we were so scared, my husband and I, we um, immediately got on a plane and we evacuated. And then <laughs> the hurricane turned around and it didn't even, it just disappeared. It didn't even come anywhere. I think it went out to sea. And when we got back, our neighbors gave us a shirt that said premature evacuators. <laughs> and we were so shamed. Everyone laughed at us. And so we were like, oh, no. So that is also part of the reason why we didn't evacuate for Irma, because we didn't want to be the premature evacuators again, because everyone was making so much fun of us. So, yeah. 
That is it's so a thing. <laughs> one of my so I was I was guessing that maybe one of the things that made Brie a local was when she made the hurricane dip so successfully. <gasps> oh yes. And then yeah. I got to the end of the book, mm-hmm. and in my physical copy of No Judgment, <laughs> there is a recipe yes. for hurricane dip. Absolutely, so I'm and we forward to making it. Yeah, we make it all the time. We don't, well, we don't make it all the time. We only make it for hurricanes, and occasionally, if we have a friend who's like, "Can you make the dip?" <laughs> because people really <laughs> like it. So yeah, it's a, it is a real dip, and um, I have actually just made. I've just finished making a video that hopefully will be coming out soon, showing people how to make it in case <gasps> they. You know, because we're in a little bit of a crisis now, so I think it would be okay because it's so good. You can't eat it all the time. You can really only eat it during a crisis or if somebody very close to you asks you to make it, then you can. It's delicious. Um, So here's a fun question. Brie and Drew are both huge animal lovers. It's one of their best qualities, I think. Um, Do you have any pets? Oh, my gosh. Yes. Well, thank you. I do have multiple cats that have been in and out of my life. And right now I have one named Allie. She's a rescue cat. She, um, we got her, she was about, they said she was eight years old when we got her from the SPCA. Then I took her to the vet and they're like, no, this cat is much, much older. But that was around four or five years ago. And she's still fine. She acts like a kitten. So she is, um, uh, actually the cat from No Judgments is modeled on Allie. So um, Gary, who had the terrible <laughs> teeth, <laughs> yes. poor Brie adopts a cat from the SPCA and she immediately has to spend thousands of dollars getting all his teeth removed. That is actually Allie. That is exactly what happened to me. <laughs> so she's doing great though it is an actual disease called st- stomatitis i think and um yeah they do much better without the teeth she's fine she just eats soft foods and she's yeah. so great but she is around 17 i think at this point so one of my favorite parts of the book is how you use a lot of really fun weather and hurricane metaphors throughout the book which oh. is one of the advantages to using a hurricane in the novel or at least i picked up on a few yeah i was like i didn't notice that oh my gosh <laughs> thank you <laughs> Yes, well, no, I, I did gonna, it. I did it on purpose. I did it on purpose. <laughs> well, so my question was, do you have a favorite? But maybe I can ask, <laughs> was that was that on purpose? <laughs> yes, I did do that on purpose. Um, no, well, what I did do it was start each chapter with hurricane precaution facts about hurricanes and all of that stuff. I am obsessed with weather. I love my favorite website is Weather Underground. I don't know if you guys are obsessed. familiar with that. Yes, yes, right. It's so good. I love There's reading so much. I love the raw data. Yes. Oh, my God. I love the message boards. I like to see like what the weather's like in the Bahamas right now. And I'm a weather nerd. So that was a really fun part of the book to do was all the different kinds of weather things at the start of each chapter. And of course, um, what to do and not to do during a hurricane. So. Um, so before we get to the last question, Meg, I wanted to ask if you could give our listeners a little sneak preview or tell us anything about what's the next book. Well, the next book is called No Offense, and it is not a sequel exactly because it's just set in the same town, and it actually features the sheriff from No Judgments. So if you remember, if you've read No Judgments, oh, yeah. the sheriff was very active in trying to control the craziness that was going on during the hurricane, and um, he is a single man, and I felt a little bad for him, so I thought that he needed to have a romance, and so he he is trying during no offense he's very interested in the town librarian and that actually is based on a real story that is happening here in key west the town librarian i found out 
is, I don't want to give a spoiler, but she is married to the sheriff. So it's very exciting for those of us who love <laughs> mysteries, but we also love librarians. And I was like, oh my gosh, I have to write a book about this. I did interview the couple involved. I interviewed the librarian and she, and I was like, so did you solve a crime together? Is that how you can choose? Like, no, that is not at all how it happened. It did not have anything to do with that, but thanks for playing. And, um, and they're very cute. And um, so no, my version is not based on complete truth. There's no crime involved in their courtship. So in no offense, the um, librarian finds an abandoned baby in the bathroom of the public library, and she has to get to the bottom of this mystery, and the town sheriff would really like her to not, <laughs> be, to not be, be so involved, but he, he can't get her to stop, and he kind of doesn't want her to stop because she's very cute. So, Aww. yeah. Nice. That sounds awesome. I can't wait to read it. It does sound great. Yeah. All right, Meg, our final question. We ask all of our guests, what is your literary white whale? This is a book you've either always meant to read or one that you've started reading and never finished. Well, I. this is funny that you're asking this. My husband actually literally did write his dissertation on Herman Melville's Moby Dick. <laughs> <laughs> and I felt for so, I mean, 30 years I should read that book because he loves it. It's his favorite book and I have never read it. And I I really should. But at the same time, there are many books that I love that he has not read. So we're just, we have a nice, even marriage where we just, and this is what's interesting about the sheriff and the librarian, I found out. They just lead their separate lives and they're still happy and together and they don't in get involved in each other's drama. So I'm just like, Moby Dick is your thing. And then I have my romance thing and it's fine. We, you, like you read books with no women in them whatsoever. <laughs> and I read books that are almost all just women and maybe like one guy. So um, that's that's and I'm happy with it being that way. But yeah, that's so funny you asked that because literally it is a white whale. <laughs> it's a white whale that I have no interest in. And he literally will sit there and tell me about, but you're missing out on the chapters about the blubber. And I'm like, oh, gosh, I am missing out on that, aren't I? So sad for me. <laughs> but I'm sure it's really good. That's what I've heard. I haven't read it either. <laughs> oh, God. I'm not, I would never make fun of somebody else's reading material, though, because, you know, right. that's stupid. Everybody, it's great. Whatever they love to read is great. Right, right. No judgment. It's long. No, the good one. Thank you. Good. I like that. Meg, thank you so much. We so appreciate your taking the time to talk with us. This was a delight. Thank you. It was so much thank fun. You. Thank you so Meg. much. It was great to be here. Thanks a lot. That was Meg Cabot, whose book, No Judgments, is out now. To find out more about Meg's book and how to buy it, head to bookclubgirl.com slash podcast, where you can also find links to everything mentioned in this episode. Like what you heard? Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, give us a rating and leave a review. Another way to help spread the word about the Book Club Girl podcast, tell a friend. It really helps others to find us. You'll hear from us again in two weeks, where we'll be speaking with New York Times bestselling author Susan Mallory about her new book, The Friendship List. But you can always stay in touch with us between episodes. We're both on Instagram. Find us at Tavia Reads and at Eliza is Reading, and of course, at Book Club Girl. You can join in on our conversations too. 
Later this month, we are interviewing Elizabeth Thomas about her buzzy debut novel, Catherine House, which Tavia and I have both read and loved. If you have questions for Elizabeth, post them in the comments on our Book Club Girls Facebook group or call us at 212-207-7336 and leave us a voicemail. You can also send us an email, thegirls at bookclubgirl.com. We'd love to hear from you. And if your question gets asked on the show, we will send you a free book. Free book. (laughs) Thanks for the emphasis. (laughs) I mean, that's this important point. Before we go, a big thank you to Charles de Montebello, who produced today's episode, and to Meg Cabot for gamely setting up a remote recording studio in her home for this episode, and to Katie Leary, who keeps all the promotional trains running on time for all things Book Club Girl. Until next time, I'm Eliza. And I'm Tavia. Happy reading. Could we just... I pointed at the window behind him. Oh, sure, he said. That's when he lifted me high enough for me to catch the edge of the windowsill. Got it, he asked. Got it. I was preparing to push myself through the small opening, not realizing that he had a similar intention of helping me through it with a push of his own. Ow! My landing wasn't soft. The Petroviches kept a wicker laundry basket under their bathroom window. I pretty much destroyed it. You all right? Drew called from beneath the window, having heard the crunch of wicker and my squeal as the wicker wands stabbed me in the right calf. What was that? Nothing. I bent to investigate the wound. No blood had been drawn, but the scrape was going to be tender for a while. My first hurricane-inflicted wound. Just give me a warning next time, okay? Sorry about that. I climbed to my feet. Go around front. I'll unlock the front door for you. Got it. The apartment was dark and dank, thanks to the rest of the windows being boarded up and there not being any power. But I didn't have to see Sonny's guinea pigs to know that they were alive. I could hear them squeaking excitedly from the other room, having overheard my not-so-graceful entrance into the apartment. After unlocking the front door for Drew, I followed the sounds into Sonny's bedroom, where I found the two little rodents, R2-D2, a black and white short-haired, and C-3PO, a long-haired golden teddy, darting around their cage, covered in shavings. The bedding had obviously become soaked thanks to the flood and was now sticking to the poor animal's fur. Oh, you poor things. I looked around Sonny's room for something I could put the guinea pigs in in order to get them out of the mess. Fortunately, Sonny had left the animal's traveling case on his bed, along with a bag of the pellets they were supposed to eat. Well, boys, I said to the guinea pigs as they continued to poke their little toes and noses through the mesh of their cage at me, grunting and squealing, almost as if they were trying to describe to me what they'd been through since Sonny had been gone. Looks like you're going home with me. Huh. Drew was standing in the doorway with a beer in one hand, one that he'd evidently found in Lydia's refrigerator looking down on the scene with an expression of mild disbelief on his face. I wasn't sure which he found most incredible, the fact that I was lifting a trembling, grunting R2-D2 into the traveling case, or that he was in the situation at all. What, he asked, are you doing with that rat? They're guinea pigs, not rats. If you say so, what are you doing to them? 
Water leaked in here and got the bedding of their cage all wet. Now it's sticking to their fur. They're going to need a bath, I think. <laughs>